The following podcast on the Your Own Pay Podcast Network will contain adult content. Listener discretion is advised. More information about this episode can be found at yourownpay.com. Hey, bro. Let's get into this thing. It's Demasi and Michael just talking tech. I am recording uh, everywhere. All of the recordings. Anyone who has been interested in trying Reaper out? This doesn't really help you if you're just trying it out, but they have extended their free license to the end of January 2021. All we ask is this. If you use this license, please wear a mask. What? (laughs) (laughs) They didn't really say please wear a mask. Yeah, they did. (laughs) Important. We kindly ask that users of this license commit to wearing a mask at all times when in public. (laughs) Oh, man. That is... Wow. I think that's all I can say about that is wow. So, uronpay.com slash DM64. We'll have a... No, we won't because this is going to come out in January, but... Well, I mean, it might still be helpful for somebody that didn't know about it. Uh And they were doing this through July, and apparently they've they've reissued that. So who knows if it's still going to be there. But we'll have a link to Reaper and the important pertinent information to get started with Reaper while using an assistive technology device. I need to figure out, uh, I need to actually sit down and play with Keyboard Maestro in some time frame where I have time to just kind of screw around with stuff. Not like, oh, let me build this quick little thing that does this thing and then get out of here because I got work to do. I would like to set it up so that I have a system-wide keyboard shortcut that will trigger a keyboard maestro macro. I think this is going to be the best way to do this anyway. Trigger a keyboard maestro macro. That's a mouthful. Uh, That will jump to the reaper oh, geez. so what i wanted to do is, is press the m key in reaper right like i wanted to press an m in reaper to drop a marker so i don't have to do what i just did which is flip out of the browser and then go back to reaper drop an m and then go back to the browser so i can finish uh screwing around which is basically what i was just doing but uh i don't want it to move my focus right i just want you know uh uh keyboard my to just to, to to just address that in the background that's what I was going to say. Can you not have Keyboard Maestro run actions in the background and not move focus? I don't know if that's... I, I think so. I, I think so. That's the thing I got to play around with is like how to actually get that working. And I, I most likely what I'm going to end up having to do once I start actually trying to work on that. Because it's been a, 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 a semi thing, semi goal of mine for a while since I started back actually recording in Reaper uh, mm-hmm. is to be able to just drop those markers. That was one of the purposes of trying to get the whole mixture thing to work in Reaper. Uh, so that I could drop markers as we were recording and then we know where our edit points are uh, or, you know, we know where a chapter should start uh, if we get that professional about this whole thing. We had chapters for a little bit and then I finally said, fuck it. We we don't stay on a, that, that's a single topic for long enough. <laughs> that's what I meant. Like not us putting chapters in, but us being professional enough that there it actually makes sense to have chapters because there are delineated sections of the conversation that stay on topic, which doesn't really happen. So, Man, people, he has high hopes for this show. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the topic that we were going to talk about is text expander and how you're organizing your text expander or how you've gotten around it. But before we get into that, I do want to give two caveats uh for well caveats and tips for what i learned and that is if you are adding i'm taking notes and drafts if you are adding uh text expander to drafts on ios you do once you connect it um, and you go in and hit the button to allow text expander then you hit refresh snippets uh close drafts close text expander and then reopen drafts because i spent probably 20 minutes this morning before i went down my hazel path uh of trying to figure out how to get snippets to autofill in drafts and i'm like well this is stupid that was a lot of work to not get it to work but if you close drafts and you close text expander and then you re- open drafts it seems like it's working so if that's ever an issue uh what 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 did i learn when i was using computers when i was younger if it's broken restart it oh (laughs) that's how it works most of the time uh and then the second thing is is i kick it if it doesn't work (laughs) kick it (laughs) so i went my initial thing was I want to download text expander to the Mac so I can quickly go through my snippets, delete the ones I don't want, and then, you know, go ahead and just start get getting familiar with my snippets again. But the problem is, is my snippets weren't anywhere where I thought they were. Long story short, I had a couple of groups. One was a, uh, the my snippets thing that had one snippet in it. In there, And that's what I saw on the Mac. And I'm like, well, this is weird because I have a lot more than one snippet. All of my snippets were going into a group that I shared with a virtual assistant three years ago. I don't even know if that VA has access to that, that group anymore, but it was in the assistant shared group. And how I found this is I went on the iPhone and I was playing with text expander on the iPhone. And I'm like, well, why don't I try to clean them up here? You can flick down on a snippet to delete it. So side note, they do take advantage of actions. But once I did find all those snippets, I was able to go delete everything I didn't need, which brought my snippet count from I think I had uh, like 71 to now I have 14 because yeah like right now I'm I'm pretty much starting from scratch my next goal is to figure out how to move the snippets out of the assistance group and put them into the my snippets group uh, so that way I can play with that I'm not sure if I can do that with the new text expander or if I'm just gonna have to rebuild them which either way won't it be an issue because I'm down to 14 versus 71 so I so, had a Go ahead. I was gonna say so I was thinking up until this most recent update to Sex Expander on the Mac, I could have told you exactly how to do what you want to do. With this new text expander, man, I don't know because I haven't even looked at it. I just I I saw it and I was like, what the hell did they do to my app? Mm-hmm. It's like a web browser thing now. I don't like this. And I left it and it's still running because obviously I still need my snippets to work, but I have not been back in there since then. And I'm going to like, just being honest, I have not even looked at it other than I saw that and I was like, oh man, they really screwed up Texas Spanner. And I texted Mike and I said, man, they really screwed up Texas Spanner. And then I said, welcome to my Windows life. (laughs) That is what Mike said to me. And I was like, I assume that's what they were doing is like making it match up with the Windows version and the web version. But man, you know, a little warning smile would have been nice. Yeah, uh, because it's not a major version update that that's I think what kind of actually has me angry about it or just a little bit. Not not too angry, but 
just slightly more annoyed than I would normally be because it's not version seven of Text Expander. It went from version six point seven something to six point eight. And all of a sudden I have an entirely new design. And it's like, mm-hmm. man, what the I wasn't expecting this. It's not, no. how this, it's not how you do these things, man. That's why version numbers exist. So when, hey, there's going to be possibly radically different things going on in here. Uh, you know, look, I don't understand. How are you going to start switching to the random, leery, big versions with point updates like Apple was doing with Mac OS as soon as Apple switches away from doing that? That makes sense. I was thinking maybe we're on a beta and then I just went and quickly checked and I am not on a beta of text expander. So this isn't like something they're experimenting with. They just surprise nope. we're live now. <laughs> oh, it was update. Cause I, I know I wasn't on a beta cause I've never been on a beta for text expander anywhere. Uh, and you, need you know, you get the little update window that was showing like, Oh, update the uh, text expander version 6.8, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, it's just normal update. You know, that's how it happens. They probably got big circuit compatibility things or something like that. Cool. Oh, they Hit did. The update, <laughs> and it comes back and it's like, what the hell did you do to my app, man? <sighs> so what are you doing with text expander? Um, bitching about it and angry and thinking about trying out this new service. So there's a new service that I meant to talk to you about. Uh, I, I'm going to get back to the thing. See, this is why we can't have chapters, man. This is why we can't have nice things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I was thinking about in this, this, this random 6.8 change to my crap has uh, annoyed me. Uh, Allison Sheridan over at podfeet.com hosted a no silicast and a couple of other great podcasts. Um, found a tool called expanzo uh which has a command line element to it uh i will attempt to for the show notes i will grab a link to the portion of her show as well as linking to the blog post she wrote about it uh talking about it but it looked kind of interesting it's also cross-platform and i was going to mention it to mike at some point and then i realized that mike seemed to be kind of slowly graduating back into uh mac os so i was <laughs> like well never mind i'm not going to say anything about it now because well he's coming back into the apple world again which is uh slightly weird yeah uh yeah. in some ways uh i thought mike was going to go try linux desktop linux out at some point uh if you continued on the path that he was on <laughs> and just completely reversed. Uh, but Expanzo uh, sounds like an interesting tool. I'll probably take a look at it. It has some, uh, she has the title of Expanzo text expansion for nerds. So we will link that in the show notes at your own pay.com slash DM 64. Um, but to answer your question, Mike, about what am I doing with text expander? So, uh, and I have a question for you when I get to the end of this too. But what I'm doing, because I have a ton more snippets than 14, uh, it <laughs> might be nice to get back down to 14 snippets. Hell, it might be nice to get down to 71. <laughs> uh, but I do make, I, I, I do use groups in Texas, man, they're very heavily uh, for several reasons. I, I do have a couple of uh, shared groups, one of which I think is shared with you, yep. possibly, maybe still shared with you. Yeah, we do have uh, a shared group. I don't know if it's still active. I think it is, but. I'm not looking at this app. I'm going to go to the web browser now. I'm done. It's just Texas Panda in the browser all over the place. Uh, Didn't I used to tell you, hey, Demasi, Texas Panda in the browser is a better experience than in the app itself? (laughs) 
Yeah, but that was from the Windows yeah. side of things, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, you know, compared to Windows, it might be, but on the Mac, maybe probably not. I'm not going over there. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Now, I guess I better go take a look at it so I know. Uh, <laughs> oddly enough, I'm probably going to end up using Windows quite a bit here uh, pretty soon. That's weird. Um, I'm coming back to Mac, and you're using Windows more. Mm, yeah. Windows 7, though. Okay, yeah, you can have Windows <laughs> The last great Windows. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I also make uh, heavy use of groups because I, I started early enough in my use of Test Expander using their groups to keep things separate. So, uh, for example, I, I tend to create snippets that I use in the terminal, uh, whether locally on my Mac or from remote SSH connected to a server, uh, you know, little snippets for different commands that I know that this this command exists. I'm not going to remember the exact syntax of how to write it to get the results that I want. So I make it a snippet. Uh, and I put it in a group called command line. Uh, I think it's just called command. Line. Yep, just called command line. And what I also do is I prefix all of my groups. So when you create a group in Text Expander, you're able to put in like a prefix for said group. So all of my snippets that are in the command line uh, group start with CLI hyphen. Okay. Uh, and then the second thing that I've started to do more recently than using groups is I will. I don't like when I first started using Text Expander. I had it in my brain for some reason that like, oh, all my snippets need to be like super short. So like, yep. you know, I need to use, you know, uh, semicolon M for M DT for email addresses or uh, yeah, something like that. Except I never use a semicolon. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, DTM for Demasi Thomas mail or something. I mean, for my email, right? But it just you know, and then you screw around and you start running out of little short codes. Uh, to use. So what I have recently started doing, I say probably in the past year is like not really caring if the snippet is long, but caring more about me being able to remember what the snippet actually mm. is. So an example of that, there is a command line. Uh, so for WP CLE, which is the WordPress command line uh, uh, utility, um, I have because it's weird and it takes up a bunch of memory when you try to install a package with WordPress uh, CLI, uh, not really relevant for everybody listening, but this is why this command is this way. Because if you just run WP uh, package install and then give it a package name, nine times out of 10, it's going to say, oh, I ran out of memory while I was trying to do this, blah, blah, blah. So there's a different command that you use. It's like, you know, WP something, something, PHP memory limit equals uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like I can't even remember what's all in the command, but what I made the snippet uh, is I made the snippet, all of that glop at the front. And then all I have to do at the end is just type in the, the package name uh, or I can backspace and hit uninstall mm -hmm. if I'm trying to remove it. But I made the snippet CLI because it's in the command line group hyphen uh, WP package install. Now that is long as hell for a snippet. Uh, in my mind, it still seems like it's super long, right? But on the flip side, I'm never going to forget what it is. So I'm not going to be sitting there trying to get the snippet to expand and I'm typing different things, trying to see, you know, oh, nope, that's not it. Backspace, backspace, backspace. Type something slightly different. Nope, that's not it. Like I'm wasting more time than it would have took me to just go Google it, copy and paste. 
That is so true. And and it works for you. And even though it is long, I imagine it is shorter than the actual command that you have to type. Oh, man, yeah. it is way yeah. shorter than that. <laughs> and you don't have to worry man. about type errors. Ty- typos, yeah. Mistakes. Yep, no typos. Exactly. Uh, so, and that's just a tip uh, that I was uh, in the process of sharing with Mike yesterday. He said, nope, you should save it for the show. Uh, so now it's a tip for you all listening too. Uh, you don't have to make them as long as I made that, uh, but I do have a lot of WP commands. So that's another reason for that being extremely long because uh, I do have a lot of WP clee snippets saved. But don't be afraid to like use a slightly longer snippet than makes sense. Like just make it two words like, uh, you know, work email. Well, type yep. MB work email, right? Like it's in that case, maybe not shorter than your email address is for work, but you know, something similar. Like, you know, don't, don't be afraid to put more words in there because the thing that happens in everybody that I know that has ever used, got really gotten into using text expander, like comes to rely on it the way that we do. Um, they have all said the same thing. I forget that I have a snippet like it got so bad. And I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure this is such a repeatable thing is that, you know, smile put in a uh, feature in I believe it came in version six. It may have been there in version five, but I know it's been there since since uh, version six launched, which is mm-hmm. also when they switched to subscriptions uh, where you have an option to have text expander, you know, remind you when it sees you type something that you have as a snippet to be like, hey, you have a snippet for this. Would you like or- to use it? Or my other hated but enjoyed feature is, hey, you seem to be typing this a lot. Would you like to make a snippet out of it? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it would. But I'm not going to remember what I make that snippet. But uh, recently, so what I've been doing is I have to send pre-formatted invoices to people. And typically these invoices are in Word documents. And so I have gotten to the point where I and, – and maybe I will take your tip up and put the actual client name I, and then INV after it or something. Because I was using like uh, client name – first initial of client's name INV. And sometimes it was – was it HP? Was it OH? Like what, what did I put? there and did mm-hmm. i put a hyphen or a special character before that whereas if i just type in client's name space inv or because you can have spaces in your expansions mm, no you can't no you can't no. but There's you could put client's name uh inv, INV. at the end yeah. and, and then you know that that's going to send the uh, prompt you to fill in the information to create the invoice so you can send it and see, the good thing about something like that is that you're not likely to accidentally type that, right? Like you might type the client's name somewhere, but you're not going to type client name INV on accident, right? That's going to be a more intentional thing. Uh, Unless you're writing client's name investigation. And if so, then maybe you have more problems of worrying about a text expander. Yeah, there would be space too. <laughs> But <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if you were putting a space in there, you'd probably be okay. Uh, you know, but yeah, that, that and that's what I mean. Like, just something simple like that. so that way you're not in that that scenario. Like, I know I made a snippet for this, but what exactly did I type for the snippet? Because I was trying to be fancy. Mm. Uh, like, I still have a problem that I, I I'm just you know honestly too lazy to go fix because I, I I think about it when I'm actually trying to figure out what snippet is and then. But at the same time, I'm trying to do what I need to do. So I'm not in the mood or the frame of mind to go change the snippet. And then as soon as I'm done, I'm done. But it's to create a database, like create, go through the steps of inserting the 
uh, proper syntax to create a database user and create a database and give the database user permission, give the user permissions to mm. you know access the mm-hmm. database in SQL syntax. And I don't remember exactly how to write it. So I made it a snippet because I know I would do it a lot because I do a lot of local development uh, on the computer with WordPress. So I need to create a database and a user. Uh, the simple thing probably would have been to just have one database user and just create new databases every time. But uh, screw that. Uh, it's not what I did. But anyway, there's one particular command where I'm trying to create the user and I always forget what it is. And a part of the problem is that I have it as CLI hyphen uh, create DB pops up the little, you know, a little fill in snippet from you put in the database name and then I'm done. Okay. And then I was like, okay, I didn't do CLI hyphen create user. Uh, well, create user because the CLI hyphen is just because it's in that that group. Uh, I didn't put create user. I can't type. It can't be create DB user because as soon as I hit the B, like, boom, there's another snippet for the, you know, it's like, ah, oh, geez, I should fix it. And no, Mike, I don't remember what it is right now either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking now, you can use a shortcut to search your snippets, but in my opinion, once I've searched the snippet, why do I even want to type it? I'll just copy it out of the, the snippet body itself and paste it where it needs to go. Although I do type the snippets because sometimes uh, I do use a search, but can you search snippets in LaunchBar? Uh, you can. There may be an action you need to. Yeah install i can't remember but yeah you can't search your snippets and uh there's all you can't search your, not search your snippets in launch bar uh, uh clipboard manager in launch bar when i f- saw that in the preferences i'm like that's one of the things i missed about mac you have a limited clipboard mm-hmm. manager on windows 10 but sometimes i get myself into the place where i'm copying and pasting some of the same things over and over and over and i'm like man i wish i had a way to be able to quickly do this but the clipboard manager and launch bar could have helped me with that with previous projects so that's my quick side note <laughs> So for people who didn't know, in the latest version of 1Password on the Mac, you can have it uh, unlock with your Apple Watch if you have that and a T chip. I think it works with T1 and T2, right? Yep. Yeah. And then the other new feature with 1Password is the fact that you can just use your arrow keys to quickly fill content if you only use 1Password Manager and you're not using iCloud and 1Password. Ah. <sighs> <laughs> yep, I was trying to think of a connected joke to make there. <laughs> uh, and that is insane. So if you've used 1Password X at all in Chrome or Firefox or Brave or Edge, uh, this basically in 1Password 7.7 as a similar feature. It's not the same feature because it's still dependent upon you having the main 1Password app installed, whereas 1Password X is its own standalone web version of one password uh, but it gives you that similar functionality so when you're in safari you can use your arrows to select and hit return and it'll fill in your passwords credit card numbers all sorts of things uh, and yeah you don't want to have that running at the same time that you have uh, iCloud keychain on because then they kind of fight with each other and you don't know which one you're getting uh, and with the Apple although, Watch unlock, go ahead uh, I was going to say although I find it quite strange to use Apple keychain and one password at the same time anyway yes but in general. it's just me 
And with the Apple Watch keychain or Apple Watch unlockability, uh, you do have, and let's be transparent here. I have not gotten the Apple Watch feature to successfully work. Uh, It says that it's going to unlock with my Apple Watch, but then it prompts me for my password or for my fingerprint. However, I think that may have been because I hadn't restarted the Mac. Uh, I'm going to play around with it a little bit more over the near future because I recently, like right when I noticed that was a feature in 1Password 7.2 or whatever version number it is, uh, when that was released, that's when I reset up in security to have the MacBook unlock with my Apple Watch. And then I never rebooted it. So what's supposed to happen is when you open one password, as long as that Apple Watch is on and it's close to the the Mac, um, which you'd have to have super long arms for it not to be, but that's a possession. <laughs> uh, or super or using hands. a Bluetooth keyboard. <laughs> uh, well, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that actually is a practical. Uh, right. Right. I I just thought about that as I was saying it. But uh, when you open one password, it should not prompt you for any biometrics or for your password. And uh, in the preferences, instead of it being 10 minutes for it to prompt you for a password, they have changed the option. And the the default thing is one week. And when I first saw that, I'm like, what? You don't want my password for one week? And then I put two and two together and realized, well, yeah, it's going to prompt me for my password once every week. Uh, as long as I'm using the Apple Watch. But in the interim, I won't have to uh, enter my password unless I don't have my Apple Watch on me, which, as I said, I I have to be transparent and say I haven't gotten this to work the way it's supposed to. Uh, But it it is the first iteration of it, and I'm excited to see where they're going with it. Uh, This is a feature that I have wanted since Apple introduced the ability to unlock your Mac with your Apple Watch. Uh, which I think probably was around before I actually had an Apple Watch. So I think I wanted this ever since I got an Apple Watch and decided I liked it. Uh, there's a forum thread, which I will attempt to link to if I remember. Uh, hold on one sec. Because I should. Uh... So I got it to work. I have to give uh, a follow up on this, a literally follow up. And maybe it's been real time feedback. Yes. Maybe it's been working <laughs> this way the entire time too. So let me walk you, you to through. Double click the button. Yep. Yep. I would ah, always feel the tap, but I would never it. look at my screen. Well, this time I felt the tap and I decided to look at my screen and Hey, look, it unlocked one password with my Apple watch. So it does work. It disregard everything I just said. I'm going <laughs> to leave it in there because it happens. <laughs> So what you actually have to do is when you open one password or you feel that little tap and you're expecting it, you do have to double click the long side button uh, as if you were using Apple Pay, I think, is how that would work. Yep. So that's how Apple Pay works if you don't have Touch ID on your Mac also. Yep. So that is that is awesome. It does work that way. Good times. <laughs> Yeah, a few other things like also I think it started in Catalina. You can uh, turn on the option where uh, I think just checking the box to allow the watch to unlock your Mac also turns this on. Uh, oftentimes, you get a password prompt for your user account password uh, for something. It will uh, tap your wrist instead of you having to actually type in that password. Um, I really am excited about this feature finally coming. Uh Unfortunately, it is only restricted to those Macs, probably I'm going to say from 2016 forward. Uh, 
because I think that is when they first had the T1 chip was in those MacBook Pros with the touch bar mm. and touch ID. Mm-hmm. Uh, this also is extended to computers that don't have touch ID. So like the any current generation iMac, I would say released in the past three years, uh, the iMac Pro, if you own one of those, the Mac Pro, the Mac, the M1 Macs, of course, and then also the 2018 MacBook, I mean, not MacBook, uh, Mac Mini. Uh, so all your computer actually has to have is just a, T, a version of the T2, whether the T1 or the T2, uh, and you're able to take advantage of this feature, uh, which means now I'm really incentivized to get a new computer. Uh <laughs> making it real difficult it's not helping with this old m1 problem man. no no not at all do you use leer on the mac i do not because it was a catalyst app when i tested out the beta of it uh a couple of what was it last year mm. yeah catalina is when they introduced yep. catalyst right yep. Okay, so yeah, I actually installed a beta of Catalina back then because I wanted to take a look at it, and I uh, joined the beta of uh, Lear. And nothing against Lear; it's just I think I don't like Catalyst apps. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I don't, I don't like the way they're built. They, they to me, they're they're horrendous. Uh, so yeah, I didn't like and it. Also, uh, the Mac app was twenty bucks when I was on Catalina full time. It's twenty bucks, and I was like. I don't read RSS on my computer like that in that way enough to even justify that purchase, even if I love the app. If I need to read something on my computer, I'll good links it and then go open to go open good links. And that will let me uh, open the article or at least get the information to find the article again. And then I can read it on the computer. Uh, I did own or do own, if it's still being developed, a read kit for the Mac, which is an RSS reader uh, as well. Uh, don't have it installed at the moment. I downloaded, I purchased that some years ago uh, when I was doing more research and like needed links and, and stuff like that for, for posts and all sorts of things. And it was, you know, quicker to incorporate reading through a, a star. You know, I would, that's when I actually made heavy use of starring articles in my RSS reader too. Cause I would jump over to the Mac when I was, you know, building out a, a a post or something like that and be able to quickly go through grab links and, and incorporate that into my workflow. But I don't even have that installed. So yeah, no way in the world am I paying 20 bucks for Lear on the Mac. Unless they give me a Dude. touchscreen Mac and then we might revisit that whole conversation. You don't need a touchscreen Mac. <laughs> Although editing audio on a touchscreen Mac could be fun. Aha, see, you see, 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 and there was no editing in that. It literally took me that long. At first, I'm like, you don't need one. And then 15 seconds later, if that, yeah, well, although. (laughs) Or think about drag and drop, right? Like, oh, I'm over here and I want to drag that over there. Uh, Yeah, yeah, man. Some haptic so feedback did you listen to that podcast I sent you? I did not. I did see the link and I will get around to it. I think I'm subscribed to their show somewhere. So I what? What was it about? I don't. Well, I, I'll get to that in a second. I don't know if we shared this in one of the previous episodes, uh, but 
a couple of weeks ago before our state shut down, Mallory and I were sitting at the bar and she said, Hey, why don't you try resetting your phone and see if it stops hanging up on people after six minutes? And then I lost my freaking move streak, which I'm still not actually, I'm not as upset about it now, but anyways, so I reset my phone, uh, and Castro did not appear to save the links and in retrospect, what I should have done is I should have backed up my phone and I also should have exported my OPML file. Not horribly worried about it now uh, because I'm slowly rebuilding my podcast subscriptions and two of them was blind abilities and blind bargains that I was no longer subscribed to until this morning. I'm like, man, that holiday um, 2020 holiday shopping guide never played uh, for blind bargains in Castro. And then I remembered, well, yeah, it never played because you never resubscribed to blind bargains. So I went and resubscribed, listened to that episode. And then I went back. I'm like, there was something about the kitchen that I wanted to hear because they had a episode where they were talking about kitchen gadgets and Shelly Brisbane was on there. Uh, no offense to anyone else, but I forgot the other ones that were on there. I just remembered Shelly because she was, I, I mentioned her book last week and she was on the holiday guide too. Uh, Shelly and JJ, and there was two other people. Uh, and so Shelly was on there and she was demonstrating a sous vide. And I'm like, well, Demasi was interested in that. So I sent that over to you mainly for that. But they also demonstrate a air fryer, which now I got to go and maybe reconsider my air fryer. And then they have uh, a mixer that I got to look at because apparently if you chop off the top and the bottom of the onions, you can put the onions in the freaking little mixer food processor thing and put it on high and it will slide them uniformly in like 20 seconds they said and i'm like man man how that would save me some time whoa <laughs> i would i would be willing to pay a hundred dollars to not have to to slice whoa. that's the one job i hate doing whoa wow that's that's uh never thought about it yeah. and you know i actually cut the top and the bottom off the onion most times anyway i do too just to make yep. cutting it easier but i whoa never thought about that right right so, yeah, give it a listen when you get some time. It had me thinking. <laughs> Man. Hmm. Yeah, insert head exploding emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll make more salsa then. Oh man. So, man. Yes. I will probably do more stuff. I need to make some salsa. I haven't made none in a while. Yeah. Yeah, salsa sounds good. Um, I want a taco salad. Mm. Well, shit, Mike. See what you did, man. I have to work tomorrow. Yay. I don't know why Why that just ran. You said tacos. Huh? Oh, because I was thinking Tuesdays, tacos. Taco Tuesdays. And then I'm like, oh, man, Tuesdays after work. <sighs> but you could still have a taco. Yes. Yes, I could. I could even have a taco while I'm working, maybe. Oh, oh, oh my. Yeah. yeah. So that rebellious. <laughs> I've been trying something a little different with Todoist. Um, Ooh. I also need to clean up my Todoist, but I've been trying something a little different with Todoist. And all it really is is that. So Fantastical version three, if you are a premium subscriber, uh, will allow you to connect to a lot of different third-party services, one of which happens to be Todoist. So it will show your Todoist task the same way that for any, you know, long-time Fantastical user, uh, very similarly in the way that it will 
show your uh, reminders if you turn that ability on in the, in, in the settings. Uh, it'll now show your to-doist tasks and projects and all of those things. You can add tasks and all of this. So I decided that I was going to take a stab at uh, just trying to manage fan, uh, to-doist through Fantastical. Uh, I still have the apps installed on on Todoist apps installed on the Mac and on iOS, but so I was going to, you know, experiment with just using it through uh, Fantastical. Uh, part of the reason that this is possible for me, at least, is because I have calendar sets so I can, you know, make a calendar set that is only a, a you know, certain group of tasks and then just switch to that or make a widget on my home screen on, on iOS that shows this particular uh, deal, which I haven't done that yet. I got to make sure you can actually do that with Fantastical uh, is make the widget show a particular calendar set, regardless of what the uh. main app is set to. Uh, haven't haven't been doing it too long. Mostly I've been checking off stuff. Uh, I have added tasks that way, uh, which led me to discovering slight incongruity disturbance in the way that sharing stuff on iOS works mm-hmm. I was looking at a plugin I think it was a plugin we're going to say it was a plugin uh, and I wanted to add it to Todoist so that I would remind myself to go take a, a deeper look at uh, this plugin and see if it was something I wanted to, to, to get involved with using so instead of doing what I normally do, which is, you know, hit the share sheet and go to to do this and do all of that, I took that off and I just went to Fantastical and then I hit the little button and made it into a reminder, uh, I think is what they call it. Uh, but my default reminder list for to do is, uh, I mean, for Fantastical is my to do is inbox. So I did that, uh, you know, converted from a event to a task uh, and then hit save. And then I was still inside of Fantastical and I was like, this is very strange. What happened? Something must be broken <laughs> because ordinarily when you are in another app and you use your share sheet to send something to uh, a different app, like to do or mail or messages, you complete doing the thing, the operation that you need to do to complete that share process. Uh, and then you fall back into the app that you started out in. Right. This does not happen with Fantastical on iOS. Uh, I have tried this several times in different from different apps, uh, all you know, even including creating an event, uh, and, and it just it's not actually taking me out of Fantastical. I'm just staying in Fantastical once I complete, you know, adding the event or task, which is disconcerting. Mm-hmm. It is a first world problem, most certainly, because all I have to do is you know four finger swipe to the right to get back to where I was or probably hit the back to whatever app button in the status bar but it's disconcerting and annoying yep uh, you may be able to fix out the shortcut and X callback URLs to go back to the previous app that you were in oh man then I gotta go make the yes thing. what's exactly. the point of having to share exactly. shit <laughs> they should let me well it, look if I it, that would not be such an issue to me if it didn't put all of your shortcuts at the bottom of the list, like I know I can drag them up to the, you know, move them, I think up mm-hmm. higher, but they're still on that, that second level of, of the share sheet. They're not, you know, first class citizens. Uh, you know, I can't put it right next to messages, <laughs> uh, which would be nice. Uh, so 
with a uh, Todoist. I'm, I first of all have to give Todoist support a shout out. I asked a question on Twitter, and to be fully honest, I literally did not expect an answer. They sent me back the answer, and I played with it once, did not work. So I was getting ready to tweet them back and be like, Haha, that did not work. And then I'm like, well, let me try to add a space before the slash. And I added a space and it worked. So I ended up tweeting them and saying, thank you. That really worked. And so uh, shout out to Todoist because that was, that was awesome. If you need to add something to a specific section while using the Todoist um, uh, quick entry or using an app that interprets your text <clears throat> drafts into quick entry, then all you need to do is add hashtag project name, make sure to match your case for the project or you'll end up with duplicate projects and you won't know where anything that is. That is very important. <sighs> that is very important. Make sure your case, it, it is case sensitive, yes. which is a thing I did not and know. The, so. And then yeah. hit space slash in the section name. Uh, again, I think that is case sensitive too. Uh, after learning the project thing, I didn't even try. Let's assume yeah, it is. Yeah, let's, let's just assume let's, let's, let's just assume. Let's just assume that the section name is also case yep. sensitive. And then that'll put it in the section. And of course, with any due dates that you add to it and stuff like that, which I'm starting to play with reminders more. To keep and and work out of my today screen. So let me let me explain that a little. I want to know when I have a task due. So a bill, for example, has a due date, needs to be paid no later than X day. And so that will show up in my today screen. And then I will complete it when I get it paid. I love picking on bills. Uh, but if I just need to do something or need to remember to do something, I'm setting reminders. Typically a reminder that will be about 10 minutes before I actually need to do that task, like remind Mallory to grab something before she goes to work, will go off at 6.40 because she leaves at 645. Uh, and then that also shows up in my uh, notification center. So if I miss that reminder, well, maybe it's too late to tell her, but that reminder is still there. So I can go take a look at that task and mark it completed or not mark it completed. There may be an alternative way to handle that. Um, and right this minute, that's what I've been experimenting with. Uh, so I can just work out of one view, which is today. And then Specifically, if I'm working on a different project, so if I'm working on some client work, I'll go into their project just to check to see if there's anything in there that doesn't have a due date, but it's something I can get done like right now while I'm sitting on the Mac or something. So I have two been experimenting with due dates uh, and uh, reminders. And so remember this whole thing where you know, deferred dates, right? This, this is the reason we started messing around with OmniFocus for a second uh, again. So what I'm starting to do, uh, or, or I just recently started to do actually, is if a thing has a due date, like I, I just started building out some stuff for uh, the BE stuff we were talking about earlier uh, on the call, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so a couple of those things actually have a deadline. Uh, they need to be done by like March 1st of 2021. Like we need to have this figured out. Well, that's a deadline. That is a hard deadline. Um, and I added a reminder so that it would remind me to look into it or make sure that somebody was looking into it on the 15th and then on the first of 15th of January, 1st mm -hmm. of February. Right. And it occurred to me while I was setting that up, hmm, I could possibly use due dates because some some things do have a, a due by date right even if it's a project that you're working on it's like well i want to be done with this by this date so you can't not have a due date because then you don't know you forget mm. what you said you were going to do 
Uh, so I was like, well, I could use reminders in place of deferred dates uh, and just have a reminder go off that reminds me because I'm and I'm the reason I went down this path and you can tell me if you know the answer to it or not. I think you could also build a filter mm-hmm. based off whether or not something has a reminder. You should be able to. I don't see why not. Like that would be classified as a more advanced filter, but that that should be good. The other one that I have not played with and maybe you have is priorities. Um, so that may be something to look at, too. Uh, I don't do much with priorities because for the most part, they don't really, they don't change anything for me. Uh, maybe as a, maybe as a filter tool, mm-hmm. possibly that, that is, that is a way to use it. Uh, but just in general speaking, I haven't used them because they don't change anything for me. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't prioritize it in any specific way. We're like, Oh, we're going to notify you 17 times until you check this off. We're not going to stop annoying you because this is priority one. Like now. Nah. For visually, it does something, but just screen reader for screen reader users, voiceover users, it, it 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 does nothing for you. It doesn't even move it higher up the list of notifications. Like make sure you keep this one pinned to the top because it's priority one versus the task that's you know priority four or whatever. Uh, does work for filtering though, uh, so yeah, maybe something to think about. Also, the Mac app has gotten better enough to the point that I can now grab the link very easily so I could email a task into a project. Ooh. Ooh. So you can do, this is filtering based on dates. You can do due date, uh, January 3rd shows tasks that are due on January 3rd, uh, due before May 5th, due after June 20th, no date overdue five days reoccurring due before. Ooh, that one's clever. Due before plus four hours, which will, show all tasks that are overdue and due in the next four hours. So you could do some interesting filtering stuff just based on due dates. And then you Mm. can add priority levels, uh, P1 through P4 or no priority. And then you can also filter based on labels, projects, sub projects, or, uh, sections. I'm sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> <laughs> so, what were you asking? So, based on Mike's uh, delving into the search filter constructions for Todoist, one possibility for at least making a a a filter that you can look at uh, for. Uh, in place of deferred dates, not being a thing in Todoist, could be, uh, let me think about how to construct this now. Uh, do in two weeks or do within the next three days. Uh, you know, something like, like you know, kind of, you end up with a bunch of filters though is the problem. Yeah. Right. Because if I want to defer you know, uh, working on the redesign of your own pay. I want to defer that until the end of uh, December. That means like, but the due date may be, you know, March, right? So that, that wouldn't help me see that. And at the end of December, right? There's just not, I can't think of a good filter that would structure that well enough to, they just need to add deferred dates is what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, 
It would be helpful, but... Instead of this goofy Kanban board, crap. I am going to play with filters, though, because I've went down that Yeah, I'm going to play with them because there's... there's there, there are some interesting things you could do there for filtering out, especially when, let's say, okay, there's a thing I need to do that has to be done on Windows, right? I think for me, not so much the due date of, of a thing would be how I would use filters. I think I would end up using it more based off project or uh, labels. Mm, yeah. Um, because like, let's say uh, for me, it could be, uh, I have a label that says, uh, I don't know, I can't think of a good label, which is why I'm not using them right now, because I can never think of a good label. So I'm going to use Michael's life as an example of how to use a good label. All right. So Mike needs to do a thing, but he can only do that thing on the Mac. So when he creates a, a task uh, that needs to be done, he would just apply the label Mac and mm-hmm. put at Mac on there uh and then when he could create a filter that is searching for any any project or any task um that has that filter that's, that has that label that's very basic now if mike was really getting convoluted like well i'm only gonna edit my podcast on the mac but i'm also only gonna do you know x y and z on the mac as well then he could start you know filtering it out by due dates and or or when the task was any task created in the past month that has the label mac uh you know he just opens up that filter when he sits down at the mac and it's like oh okay now i see the things that i said i was going to do when i got over here uh including installing audio hijack uh because it's amazing uh, <laughs> reinstalling reaper because i scratched that to see if that fixes some of the issues and uh, i have been watching this battery as close as possible uh this is this is probably better than last time because we're running at about uh, maybe it's the same. An hour and fifteen minutes, and we've dropped from one hundred percent to forty-two percent. So, yeah, yep. I'm right at seventy-five minutes in Reaper. So that that is, I think, the most accurate amount of time that we have been. The most accurate time count of how long we've been talking. I'm at seventy-five minutes because uh, I started the right. Reaper recording first. Uh, and you said what, what battery, battery percentage, battery percentage? right now is 41%. Looks like Mike may have a uh, M1 in the near future. M1 <laughs> Mac in the future. <laughs> so I'm curious. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly curious because mm-hmm. uh, we, we've kicked this around. Both of us kicked this, kicked this around. And even right now for me, I'm not 100% certain which way I would go. I know where, where I would go if I had to make a purchase soon as Intel? soon as possible. Huh? Intel? No, I would go with the M1. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. No, I would go with the M1, but I would go with the the the, uh, the Mac Mini. Ah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I was gonna say, like, it, if you decide to go uh, up to an M1 Mac, because I would assume you wouldn't buy another Intel Mac at this point, or would you? No. I don't think I would. Uh, the Not o- even like a used one or a refurbished one? The only reason why I might buy an Intel Mac is twofold. Number one, if I got a super good deal on a refurbished one or even a new one uh, that, that justified. But the numbers for the 
M1 and the Intel are pretty much the same. So that's why I would, mm-hmm. would kind of go with the in, or the M1. The only other reason why I might do Intel, which using this Windows keyboard tells me that it's not even worth it, is if I wanted to boot camp or use VMware. Now, my understanding is Parallels has some tentative support for running Windows on the Mac, which tells me that tentatively, eventually, maybe Windows will come to the Mac. But when I think about it, how often do I use Windows? And we have a Windows computer in the house. So if I'm on the Mac, why not just use the Mac for the Mac? So to answer your question, uh, to come back in a full circle, it would be the M1 probably for me. Mallory's really sold on this MacBook Air M1 because she's always liked the MacBook Airs and we sold our last one to her sister. But if I had, if I was the one getting it and it was not influenced by her or the boys at all, it would probably be the Mac Mini 16 gigs. In reality, what will probably happen is we'll either end up with a MacBook uh, Pro or a MacBook Air. Um, hmm. yeah. Okay. Although... We are really looking at this Mac Mini because then we can just put it up in the desk in the or put it on the desk in the dining room and the boys could use it too and it would be stationary. But Mallory, if we do that, we're going to be paying cash out of it and not doing the trade-in program with Mallory's laptop because number one, it's Mallory's laptop uh, is, is ultimately who it was bought for. And number two, she doesn't want to go from a laptop to a stationary computer because if she needed to take a computer to work or if she needed to, to for well, for example, she's flying to pick Nicholas up later this, this month. So, well, earlier last month, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's flying. Hey, we could do the cortex thing. Right. It's an episode out of time. Who knows what time it is? <laughs> Nobody really knows what time it is. So at the end of December, she's flying to pick Nicholas up and, or she flew to pick Nicholas up. However you want to word that. And in that case, she might want to take a computer with her, but. Oh man, she take that iPad that, pro. That's what I, well, she doesn't have an iPad pro. She just has iPad air. We, oh, we, she, we, she, she had one, she had one two years ago, but we sold it so she could get a new TV. Cause I wouldn't let her get a new TV unless she sold her iPad. And the only thing she was using her iPad for was watching TV. Was so watch why TV. would you get a new TV <laughs> and not sell your fucking iPad? So, oh but, man, okay. but she does have a uh, iPad and no iPad not air it's the just the regular ipad i think it's the sixth generation um did apple release no she got the new one this year so the seventh generation uh and so she could take that with her to the airport and that's what i've kind of tried to explain to her and and it may be that that's what we end up doing because i'm gonna be fully honest with you Apple quoted us $700 for this laptop, which means Michael could get a 16 gigabyte Mac mini for $300. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Man, wait a minute. Okay. And you bought this MacBook Pro, was it 2017? Yes. Mid-2017. Huh. It's got 512. Go- or maybe it's a 256. I don't know. But it's it, – it, that's why I asked you. Did you ever check to see what Apple would offer you? Yeah, but you didn't tell me that part. <laughs> See, that makes a huge difference. I know my price is not going to be that, but even if it's 
if it's half of what yours is, that would be better than I expected. The reason I had not checked is because I expected to be like, oh, we'll give you 75, 80 bucks. Yeah. No, they quoted seven for this, which could get me, uh, get us into a Mac mini for $300, like a, a decent Mac mini too. So it's, it's a difficult decision to make. And if I didn't have other bills to pay, then I would have just jumped on it. And chances are, maybe when you're hearing this episode, we may have jumped on it. So <laughs> it's already done it. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole conversation might be mute. Uh, waiting to hear back from some other people about uh, Reaper. I need to, and, and waiting to hear back from other people means Michael's waiting to actually reach out to them to hear back from them. Uh to find out about reaper and then uh, i need to do some research especially since i'm getting more into it and that's another reason why i'm highly considering of the mac mini uh and i told you this kind of this morning i've been playing with hazel lately and if Mm -hmm. i can get the mac like what i almost did and then i'm like well i don't know should we do that or not is i almost put a rule on the dm show uh folder in google drive to say move all these files somewhere i don't know where but move all these wave files older <laughs> than two months out of this folder and then i'm like but where am i going to move them to i don't want to take up space on this hard drive so right now they're going to just stay there but yeah i was i was playing with that and got my downloads rules to work which is awesome so this is a question right? this is a good deal because i i, I that's a good question. Do we actually need the wave files? Uh, I would like to keep the MP3s that are in there. If they're still in there, I think they're still in there. If they're I'll not, we need to go re-download them so we can put them back in there and just keep. And and that's something to think about. Like, do we really need the original files for them? Technically, no. Yeah, because we're, we're, we're not going to do a, you know, when we get to episode 100 we're not going to be pulling clips and if we do pull clips for some random reason that i haven't thought about right now we're just going to pull them from the mp3 file we're not going to go back and source the way like we're never going to re-edit those mm-hmm. files to do anything with them mm-hmm. which will be the only reason to keep the originals yeah it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, like oh we're going to go back and re-edit a show from you know 2017 and re-release it no. as i don't know <laughs> like yeah well, that's not and, a thing that's gonna happen i can't even think of a and scenario. i'm thinking about it well i'm looking at the google drive folder and we did that purge on episode 41 because i think yeah it looks like we're starting from 41 now and so we don't have any of that uh, content anyways uh i don't think we were using drive before that is uh dropbox huh yeah uh, i think we were doing dropbox uh yeah, I think we're doing Dropbox. So we go back to the point of we don't have any of the content from before 41. <laughs> oh, actually, though, actually, it's not even that. Uh, I'm betting that there. Hold on one second. I'm going to go look. Because uh, I wonder if we could have been like, with, not, maybe not Wasabi. This might be a good, what's that uh, Glacier? Is that what Amazon calls for archiving old content that you're not going to actually Amazon find? Glacier. Yeah, yeah. Although. I guess it's not that big. I was going to say, right now the Google Drive is 20 gigs for that folder. Uh, No, I think we actually have a share because we, I think we did move to Google Drive before shared drives were a thing. So we have a folder. Remember the DM shit folder? Mm, I remember that. Do we still have content in there? 
Yep. So Google Drive started out as Google's, you know, competitor or alternate service or their service version of something like Dropbox or OneDrive, right? And for the longest time, Google Drive was just Google Drive. You had a Google Drive folder. You could share folders with people. Uh, their sharing used to be horrendous. I just want to throw mm-hmm. that in because I think we have discussed this on a previous show long, long time ago uh, as to why we were still using Dropbox, I think, uh, possibly. Uh, but uh, what was it, maybe a couple of years ago, I don't remember the exact timeline of this, uh, but Google introduced uh, for G Suite customers. Uh, I should clarify that point for G Suite customers. Um, now, Google Workspace. Yeah, we, we got the memo. I'm still not happy about it. Uh, I still got previously it. Google apps, previously Google apps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got an interesting thing to tell you, too, about that. Uh, you probably heard this, too. Anyway, so for Google Apps slash G Suite slash now today, Google Workspace, by the time this is released, it could be something else. Uh, <laughs> uh, users, you have the ability to, to you have now two different folders, uh, what are folders inside mm-hmm. of your drive account. You have a my drive, which is your personal stuff. It's all of your things. Uh, and then you have a shared drives section. Uh now, bear with me because this does get a little weird. Mm. On the Google Stream app for Google Drive file stream app for Mac and Windows, you will see those two folders. You'll see my drive and you'll see shared drives. Maybe shared drives doesn't show up if you don't have any shared drives, uh, but it should because if you're a G Suite customer, you can create your own. Uh, my drive, as I said, is tended to be for your stuff, like your personal things that you're holding on to uh, or and then shared drives uh, originally started out as a way to share a folder uh, with someone else inside or outside of your organization. So me and Mike have a folder called uh, or a shared drive is as how Google uh, uh, calls it uh, called your own pay or. What the hell is it called? Uh, We have a shared folder inside of the shared drives. I shared this folder with Mike initially. Now, the key thing about shared drives versus any other sharing that I know about from any other service. uh, And the reason that I like shared drives when they were introduced is that the sharer. So the person who actually creates and shares a folder inside of a drive. That drive counts. The storage being used only counts against their storage. The person who is the share E, who is the recipient of the shared folder, does not have that folder space count against their personal Google storage. Mm-hmm. So in the case of me and Mike, for example, I think Mike said our uh, our DM folder was 20 gigs. Yep. Right. Well, that's 20 gigs of my storage is being taken up. That is not counting whatsoever against Michael's storage uh, cap for Google Drive at all just counts against mine. The reason I like this is because I became a G Suite business customer about a year ago, uh, which is why I'm upset. Anybody knows about the difference between the different G Suite levels and what they're doing with uh, Google Workspaces, which is a whole different conversation for another show because I still have research to do. Uh, but when I became a Google, uh, a G Suite business uh, customer, I got unlimited drive storage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the time of this conversation, I have 2.2 terabytes of stuff in Google Drive. That is ridiculous uh, to think about. Just saying. It is. It is. But 
I'll come back to the side note after we're done to explain how I got there, though, because it's not just, you know, oh, I'm going to throw everything in there. No, that's not how it worked. Uh, so that's how shared drives work. And, and, and shared drives have permission levels on them. So, like, uh, you can share a folder with someone and only give them read access or you can give them read and write access. Or whatever. That has gotten better for sure. That has gotten way better yes. because when shared drives were first introduced, you could only share on the primary folder level. So me and Mike's folder is called YOPN. Uh, we wanted to invite other people to this folder, but uh, I have since kind of turned that off because I wasn't able to give them access to just a subfolder in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I can't. Yeah. So now inside of, you know, they don't have access to anything outside of the subfolder. But maybe they need access to, be, to their show, a, a show title and, and audio imaging. And now we can do that. And they we won't can see set that up, else. right? Without them having access to anything else inside of there. Uh, so it's gotten way better. <laughs> uh, a couple of things I'm uncertain about with shared drives, uh, just as a side note. Uh, I don't know how it works with people who, if you share with someone who has just a regular Gmail account or regular Google account and not a G Suite account, uh, because I don't think they can download the Google file drive file stream app on their desktop because that is restricted to G Suite customers. And I think if they download just a regular Google Drive app or Google Drive syncing backup or whatever it's called uh, app that uh, normal Google account users have, I'm not certain that the shared drive would show up there. Uh, it's a thing that I should try to figure out. I don't know how to try to figure Invite it out. Invite your personal account to a shared drive? Uh, I know where I could do it at. Yeah, because I got that second installation of Catalina now that I could actually do it and I could set up that personal, set up my personal account over there uh, and figure it out. But anyway, the thing is, uh, drives or uh, shared drives are great. They're great for internal stuff. You can share stuff with specific people and, you know, not have to make it a shared, you know, mm-hmm. wide thing. Also, again, the storage doesn't count against people's storage. So if you have additional in a scenario where you and three other people are in a the same G Suite account and you pay for individual extra storage, but they don't your storage that you're using up and share drives only counts against yours, which was the, one of the primary reasons I moved over to G Suite uh, to Google Drive full time. You can still this is where I said this is going to get confusing. So hold on. Let's go back to the My Drive section. I have a folder. It's there. It exists. I can share that folder with other people still. Works just like the old days. Uh, Michael, you should still have access to this. It might. I will check on the web because it might not pull my shared folders down. I might have it set because I I think you can set it to not pull your shared folders. I'll I'll look on on the web later. Uh, but as far as you can still share folders with people because I was just in the sharing view for a folder that is inside of my drive uh, and I had the ability to invite mm-hmm. someone else to that folder. Uh, the other thing that is weird is if someone shares a file with you. Uh, so here's the example, right? Uh, had a designer share a uh uh, file with me that she needed me to add to uh, the WordPress site and I could not find it and like I just you know I was like oh she's like oh I just shared it with you with Drive I was like oh cool you're a Drive user too that's excellent like I was all happy I go to my finder and I go open up 
Google Drive file stream and uh, I go to my drive and I don't see it. And then I was like, well, maybe I put it in shared drive. So I go to shared drive. Nope, don't see it. You know what I had to do? I had to go to the web. And on the web, there's a whole nother tab that you don't see in Google Drive file stream. Yeah. It's called shared with me. Yep, yep. Shared with me. Super annoying. Google, you should fix it. While you're changing names of stuff and rejiggering services and levels and storage gradients and all of this, why don't you just fix that thing? Like, that should show up to me somewhere on my desktop. I should not have to go out to the web to retrieve because a file Google that Drive was shared site, with me. Though it has uh, gotten better over Google. the years, is still pretty shitty. It's still clunky. Yeah. It, it, it is. It is. Mm, yeah, it could be better. It could be way better. Uh, what I was about to say is not actually true. Think about how you want to wrap this up because uh, I am at 22%. Oh, no. <laughs> so Mike's battery's dying, so we'll catch you guys next time. <laughs> so, yeah, that is Google Drive. Uh, my Drive is tended to be for your personal usage. And if you share a photo with someone out of there, the storage counts against both of you. Share drives are business, a business feature, a G Suite or Google Workspaces, if you're new to it now, uh, feature only, uh, but pretty handy. Um, and that's about it. That's all I have. We for will this have week. show notes uh, and more information at yourownpay.com slash DM64, unless we completely butchered those numbers and we're on a different number. No, we. I, I, I think we're on the same page. We are at DM64. We're, we're on the right number. <laughs> Yep, we are on DM64, yourownpay.com slash DM64. Be sure to check out Mike on AMI. Mondays at 2 p.m., 2.10 p.m. Eastern, 11.10 a.m. Pacific time, where we are doing Tech with Michael, because I couldn't come up with a more creative name, giving you a shot of technology news to get your week going. Coffee was my reference for the shot. No one has asked me that. Uh, <laughs> uh. Ah, uh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, give them the URL to listen to your show, man. AMI audio. No, ami.ca slash listen live, but there will be a sh link in the show notes now that I said something. I have to put a link there. But Or if you follow me on yep, Twitter F. at Payone, P-A-Y-O-W-N, you, you will get alerted, thanks to drafts, uh, on Sundays, the day before I go live, and you can follow Demasi, who is going to be retweeting these, even though he doesn't know it yet, uh, on Twitter at D-A-M-A-S-H-E. You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content and to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast, yourownpay.com.